Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm your host Gary. And I'm Chris. And welcome back. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you, first of all, to everybody who took the time to listen to uh, our first episode last week. We had nothing but good comments, which was a massive relief. Uh, we had no idea how it was going to go down. And uh, I'm pretty sure the worst that happened was uh, when people mistook it for Aliens instead of Alien 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two very different films there. Um, but yeah, no, this week we've, uh, we've got something a little different uh, for you guys. Uh, last night we were uh, we were at a, a party, an eighties theme party, and thank God we're not hungover for this one. Don't you think? I feel a bit hungover from the film. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then he, Chris says that Chris is more excited for this one. I love this film. But I, you know. do you love it as a film, or do you, do you actually love it? Do you think it's a good film? No, I I said last thank week, God. didn't I? I said I divide shit films into two categories. Those that bore me and those that are bad but entertain me. This is bad, but I'm entertained the whole way through. Well, this is actually from uh, Paul Verhoeven, the director of... Shall we say the name of the film? Uh, I was getting... I was doing a build-up to leave <laughs> everyone in suspense. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <sighs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, this is from the director of Robocop, Total Recall, Hollow Man... Basic Instinct and Starship Troopers. It stars Kyle MacLachlan, an actor who I love very much, one of my favourite male actors. Uh, so much charisma in Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet. In this film, not so much. We are talking about showgirls, of course. Showgirls. Oh, we're a, you know, we're a podcast of a gay couple of, and talk about trash films. If we didn't speak about showgirls soon enough, people would stop listening. It's a camp classic. It is a camp classic. Yeah. <laughs> it's also apparently a court classic, which is baffling to me how this has managed to... I mean, it's, in a way, it's not. Uh, it's a, a court classic in the same way that The Room is, and it's gained its cool status from, um, you know, people realising how terrible it is. Uh, I think they realised that from the start. Do you think um, anybody thinks this is a good film? I sure, surely not. I think some people look at it in a different light, and I think... How we're gonna look at it is as a trash to piece. I I when when we first watched it, Chris showed me it about. I think it was, actually it was earlier this year. Um, yes, it was because I brought you it for Valentine's Day on Blu-ray. You did ever the romantic and uh, yeah and back then I I enjoyed it as a trash film and it was easier to get through, easy to laugh at, you know, but um. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I gave it a five on IMDb when we first watched it, and that has changed today. When you look at it uh, from a critical point of view, it's a very different film. Would you agree? Uh, yes. Yes, I can still laugh at it. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. We, we've watched it, and we, we've made our notes, and we've dissected it maybe a little more than is necessary. Uh, maybe a little more than we have before. So you do see a lot of the flaws more uh, from a critical point of view rather than this is shit, therefore it's funny. Yeah. What do you think the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score was? Did you look at that? Uh, somewhere in the 20s? <laughs> Critics, 22%. Audience, 37 Oh, well... 
That's yeah. probably too high if you ask me. <laughs> IMDB has got a 4.8. That's definitely too high. And it was uh, released January 1996. Maybe it had the uh, January curse that horror films normally have. I mean, Alvira has recently said on her Twitter that it's her favourite horror film. And it, it is a horror film. And, and from a lot of what we've seen, Paul Verhoeven himself admits it's a very negative film. It's it's a it, when you look at it, you know, for all the funny moments, uh, intentional or not, it's a very negative film, a very dark film, and I think maybe that is what people can connect with. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can't imagine being in an audience in the nineties and seeing. I, I can't imagine being in an audience now and seeing this. Just like, there's so much nudity in this film that it just. It just looks normal after a while. It's every single... I wouldn't even say it's every other scene. It's almost every single scene. There is, uh, there's boobs and vagina everywhere. Would, would you say it's... Yeah, I th- like I said, you know, when you hear the same word over and over again, it loses its meaning. With this film, it's when you see a pair of breasts again and again and again. It loses all its meaning... It's just another pair of boobs, and then you know. Well, that's uh, that's from our point of view. I mean, I'm sure uh, if any straight males are out there watching this, it's probably a tough time for I them. Mean, I, I, I'm <laughs> in the school of thought that you know, I, I don't see why there's a difference between men, uh, women's nipples and men's nipples being on display. We could see uh, Karl McLaughlin's nipples it's... and his ass crack. Well, that's not him, actually. That's a body double. Oh, was it really? Oh, research, thank God. That it thank wasn't, God. But he did have a body double. I was going to say, you you definitely, you would have done your research on this film. Do you have any uh, fun facts for us? Um, I think I'll probably say them as we go through. This sort of... Did you pick up about the Razzies? I did pick up about the Razzies, yes. This film did win a lot of Razzies at the time. It won Worst Picture of the Decade, Worst Picture of the Year, Worst Actress, Worst On-Screen Couple, Worst Director, Worst New Star, Worst Screenplay, Worst Original Song. All very well-deserving. And it was nominated for seven more. That set a record with the Razzies. I mean, if anyone's not familiar, the Razzies is... Uh, Razzies? The Razzies is basically uh, the opposite of the Oscars. It's an award ceremony for terrible films. Uh, I think the only film that's outdone this since then would probably be Jack and Jill. I think that... I think so. I think Jack and Jill won a lot. This was um, actually an interesting fact, is that this was... Uh, nominated for worst remake or sequel. <laughs> oh, oh my God! I know what this is. This is going to bring me to something I've got in my notes for later on. Okay. <laughs> we could cover it now. I've got a note here that says, "Is this purposely trying to be the trash version of All About Eve?" It is. <laughs> it is, and and that's a big. If I have really have an issue with this film, it's the fact that it it is a rip off of All About Eve, and it's told from the wrong perspective yeah all about eve wasn't actually all about eve all about eve we love that film you know um it was all about margot channing she was the interesting character and i think with showgirls as well as all about eve i think the interesting character wasn't the protagonist Naomi malone i you know there was no heart in it because i 
didn't like Naomi Malone. And we'll go through that more during the film, but the film had no heart because Naomi Malone was such an unlikable lead, an unlikable protagonist. Do you think it would have been different if they got Madonna or Drew Barrymore for the role? No. Because <laughs> no. that was who they originally wanted. <laughs> I, th- I think... And I, I, what a, I, I, all these like actresses that went for it. There's a lot of nudity in this film. And I, I don't know if Madonna or Drew Barrymore would have went with that. Oh, no, that's why they didn't... That's why uh, Drew Barrymore especially didn't take yeah, a role. Yeah, if they'd turned around and said, well, we want these big actresses and we'll tone down the nudity of the film, I still don't think that would have made a good film. Do you know it was banned in Ireland for seven years? Uh, I didn't know that, no. <laughs> Rightfully so. Um, and just a few other little things I picked up on before uh, we delve into it. Uh, writer uh, Joe Esterhaz actually encouraged kids to use fake IDs to watch the film. Did, uh, did do that. There's sequels. Um, there's, uh, originally I wanted to, Paul Verhoeven wanted to call it Noomi Does Hollywood, but there's, uh, one sequel called, uh, Pennies from Heaven, a spin-off for the character Penny in this film, and, uh, the very interesting character James as well. I believe it's both the original actors that returned for it. It was. Uh, I recently brought to my attention by one of my friends recently, there's, uh, another sequel coming out with the, uh... Subtitle London Calling and also known as The Revenge. Would you like to see a Showgirls Revenge flick? Who are they getting revenge on? I have no idea. Do you really think it's going to make any sense? Who is the vengeance for? I don't know. But I, I'm hoping... That makes no kind of... Well, the whole film makes no kind of sense. No, and we should probably... Idea. I mean, that's about everything I've got on here for trivia. <laughs> Apart from Steven Spielberg only watching half of the film and refusing to watch any more. Um, but that's about as interesting as it gets. But we'll, uh, we'll get on with the film. The premise is a young drifter who arrives in Las Vegas to become a dancer soon sets about clawing and pushing her way to become the top of the Vegas showgirls. How does this film start, Chris? We are introduced to Naomi Malone, our protagonist. She's on the highway, hand out, ready for a uh, hitchhike (laughs) to Las Vegas. We know she's going to Las Vegas because there's a big sign in the background, very subtle. And um, she gets picked up by some... What's he trying to He looks to, like Josh Holmes from. Uh, he looks like Josh Holmes on Queens There's of the Stone Age. on the go, isn't there? A bit Elvis. Did, did you not notice how much he looked like at least in Queens of the Stone did Age? Did he? Well, uh, that's, that's yeah, what he I did. Feel anyway. Yeah. But um, she gets in the car with uh, a Queens of the Stone Age guy, and <laughs> within a couple of minutes, he's trying to uh, flirt with her, and she just starts screaming in his face and pulls out a flick knife. And that gives you a basic idea of what she's going to be like for the rest of the film. Throughout the film, she shows levels of really random aggression, really aggressive, um, rudeness. Uh, Yeah, this guy's hitting on her, but, you know, did she really need the flick knife? (laughs) Yeah, he wants to know if she's one of those mafia girls. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think so. Yeah, that's about it, really. We we get some Sisters of Mercy, though. Do we? I mean, they get some Sisters of Mercy playing in the car. Soundtrack for the film, not that bad. 
Not awful. No, no. I mean, you get some prints. That's, you know... Yeah. Can't complain at that. I, I mean, there is a lot of terrible, like... There's a terrible song later on in the film that we'll get to, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, for, there, there is some okay parts of the soundtrack. Sisters and Mercy being one of the highlights. But then... Where do we go next? Well, basically, we're in Las Vegas. She stupidly decides to leave her suitcase in the truck. <laughs> she goes and has a little gamble. She Wait, but wins. she doesn't gamble. She doesn't gamble. She does gamble. I know she does, but she says she doesn't right before she gambles. Yeah, I think I think they were <laughs> trying to go for a metaphor there, weren't they? But she, she he gives her a, a ten dollars. She gambles. She wins big and then loses. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, there goes a suitcase. That's, that's pretty much how the film goes, to be fair. Sort of told straight away. Pretty much. Wins big and then loses big time. Yeah, because this film hates gambling. It hates a lot of things, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. What was the list you... Well, I said it, it hates women. It hates men. Hates Las Vegas. Hates showbiz. Um, loves tits. Yeah, that's that's pretty much. <laughs> that's about it, really. Yeah, loves dancing. We we find that soon. Oh uh, well. We're introduced now to our one likable character out of the whole film, and that character is Molly. So yeah, so basically this Josh Hom looking guy, uh, skedaddles with a suitcase. She's absolutely fuming. She starts beating up some random car because she's so angry. And it's Molly's car. Molly, the only likeable character in the whole film. We're introduced to her. She tries to stop Nomi from, you know, destroying her property like any normal person would. She gets bashed around a bit by Nomi as well. Uh, Nomi throws up for some reason. And uh, Molly thinks, oh, actually, you know... She'd make a good friend to this person. Yeah, she takes her for dinner. Takes which, her for dinner, uh, buys her the biggest Coke I've ever seen. I don't know if this is an American thing, but it was bigger than her head, this Coke. Yeah. Pepsi, whatever. Yeah, and then we also get some aggressive nail filing. Aggressive nail some filing. Even more aggressive eating. Aggressive as well. eating of fries, the throwing of the fries, aggressive ketchup dispensing. Yeah. And um, Molly thinks, you know what? She's all right. She's a really nice girl. You know, she's uh, started beating my car up. She's basically treating me like shit. Why not let her move in with me? <laughs> so, yeah, so we leave that scene on Molly asking Nomi to move in with her, being asked if she's hitting on her, which she isn't. And so that's fine. So, yeah, she goes and lives in her... Is it a trailer? A caravan? I think it is a trailer. What a trailer. What we'd call a caravan here in uh, the UK. Yeah. So we cut to six weeks later. We know that Nomi has a job. And we find out that Molly also has a job. She's a seamstress. And, uh, and where's, where's uh, Nomi working? <laughs> Did you get the name of the bar down? Cheetah. <laughs> Cheetah. Cheetah <laughs> yeah, she works for uh, a James Bond villain. At the uh, Cheetah Club. Oh, he was a James Bond. He was. I knew I knew him from somewhere. Yeah. Well, he was in everything. He was in the Goonies. He was in the Goonies. Yeah. This is one of his uh, not so fine moments. Robert, either Davy or Davy. Robert Davy. 
Does that say Darby? I if we're... Die Hard, yeah. Goonies, License to Kill. Okay. He was in Predator 2. He's a ah, showgirls. So a, a recognisable <laughs> face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Molly thinks, do you know what? This, uh... This Naomi's a great girl. Look, why don't I take her to work? You know, I've already let her move in with me. I'll take her to work with me one day. What can go wrong? What could go wrong? So, uh, we get a pyrotechnic show. And I've got in my notes, it's the most interesting thing in the film. I forgot at that stage the amount of times you get to see this pyrotechnic show. And it kind of loses its uh, excitement after the first time you see it. But uh, this Crystal's there and she is having a time of her life in this show in the lead role. And we get to see a dance that I'm sure is popular amongst many Showgirls fans. You know which dance I'm on about. The hand dance. Yeah. You can't see me, but I'm doing it Chris is showing you (laughs) what to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, basically they just wave their hands in front of their face. Sort of like a John Cena. Sort a little way. bit, yeah. And uh, and then we uh, we get the... Uh, this is the point where you really know it's trying to be all about Eve. <laughs> we get uh, the main character, we get Naomi introduced to Crystal. And uh, how does... Uh, <laughs> how does that go, Chris? Uh, well, not, not too well. <laughs> Obviously standoffish. Um, yeah, what what about this this scene? We're we're introduced to the show Goddess, so Goddess is a show that's going on at the hotel. I forget the name of the hotel. Have you got that written down? I haven't. I think it is one of the main ones in Vegas. Yeah, well, it it's the 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 hotel, and Crystal Connors is the star. She's the goddess. She's everything that Nomi wants to be. Um, and we, we're introduced to her in in this stage show. And there's a volcano in the... I don't really get the premise of the dance. There's a volcano in the background. Crystal Connors rises from this, you know, volcano with her boobs out. You know, ev- all the women have their boobs out. They're all wearing thongs, the women and men. I don't really get what story is being told. I, and we We yeah. see this staging a lot throughout the film and I, I don't get it. And what I don't understand is who is this sh- show for? It's meant to be sort of sold as a classy affair, you know. The idea is that people are paying top dollar to go watch this. Um, Crystal Connors is a big star. She's, you know, practically A-list within Las Vegas. But it's a topless show. And that I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, you know... I've never been to Las Vegas. I don't know if this is a thing in Las Vegas. But it felt to me like this whole goddess show, you know, they could have... They could have made it classier. If they're going to act as if it's classier, you know, don't make it look so cheap with a big volcano and, you know, a lot of nudity. Is it a strip show or is it legitimate dance theatre? That's what I didn't get about this. Yeah, I think you've just put more thought into that entire sequence maybe, than maybe, Paul Foam put into the whole film. Well, maybe, maybe I have, and uh, you know. Do you think Paul Verhoeven's ever been to Vegas prior to this? Do you think he all just he just he made would, it all yeah, up on the spot? Yeah, he would have been, and and you know the 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 writer um, 
him and the writer, you know, they, they did interviews with strippers and, and such. That surprises me. It it felt like this film could have... It didn't need to be a topless... I don't understand why it needed to be a topless show. And it, a lot comes from the fact that it's a topless show, and we'll go through that later. But I didn't feel like that needed to be a topless show. Well, soon after, that's when we get the meeting between Nomi and uh, and Crystal. And of course, when you meet your idols, you need to tell them they don't know shit because that's what Nomi screams at uh, Crystal before storming out. Yeah, so <laughs> this is the first of... Well, yeah, this is the first time she storms out of a room in the film. She does it a lot. Yeah. She does it a lot throughout the film. And I've got right down here, why is everybody okay with Nomi being so rude to everyone? It's like... She is horrible. She is the most unlikable lead character in a film. And if I'm watching a film and I'm going to enjoy a film, I've got to like somebody in it. And as we've already said, there's only one likable character. But, you know, your main protagonist, that's who you've got to root for. And there's nothing to root for with Nomi. Well, she explained... Crystal Connors asks where Nomi works and she explains she works at the Cheetah Club as a dancer. And Crystal Connors tells her... You know, I don't know what's going on at the Cheetah Club, but it's definitely not dancing. So she, no. she's snooty. She's a little shitty towards her. You know, I, I can understand why Nomi would be a little put out, but it's a lot of brattish behaviour yeah. to begin with. This film sold as if it is all about Eve and Nomi's conniving from the very beginning. Um, She's you know, dead set on getting to the top. She's cutthroat. And that's how it's sold. It's sold as if she's like that from the very beginning. But for good half to three quarters of the film, two thirds, two thirds of the film, she's just a brat. She comes off as a brat, I felt. Well, that's explored even more in the next scene where she goes to a nightclub and... uh, the the dancing in this scene just does not match the music at all, and you you get this you get introduced to a character called James, who is one of the most unbearable characters in this. He's film. very unlikable actually. And uh, he's talking to his friend in there, and he's like, "She can dance, can't she?" Like, no, she really cannot dance. She's going full uh, Renata Bliss. Yeah, if anyone's not seen Renata Bliss, YouTube dance it, teacher. It is exactly like that. She is just all over the place. I've, I mean, obviously we're not dance experts. You know, it's not really our place Speak to say. For yourself. Well, I yeah I've, <laughs> I mean we we don't watch dance films on a regular basis, but you know. <laughs> Anyone will know. This is just... I, what, is, what is she doing? It doesn't match to me. It's very... An, uh, very aggressive dancing. Yes. Very... A lot of flailing. I don't understand how she gets that much space in a club. You know, I've been on nights out. You don't get that much space to dance where you can fling your arms, kick your legs. Um, very, very aggressive. Yeah. A, a lot of her dancing throughout this film is very aggressive. And I wrote, actually, later on in my notes, I wrote that the the way I knew how terrible her dancing was, because later on as the film goes on, she starts doing the same dance routines as other people. But what makes her stand out is her facial expressions. She Always is so angry. angry. She Always is so angry. angry in every dance scene. And 
we watched this with our soundbar on, and I never noticed this before when watching, but watching this time around, holy shit, the noise that she makes. Oh my very, god. It's very like, tennis <gasps> player. <gasps> yeah. <gasps> Constantly. It's just. I, <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to. I'm sure on YouTube, someone has the, has the isolated audio version. I'd recommend having a listen to that to really appreciate the noises that are made. But, you know, uh, noises and faces aside, she uh, meets up with James. Well, James is a bouncer at the club. He notices Nomi. Um, his friend says, oh, she's a good dancer. <laughs> and uh, he says, no, she's not. Goes to dance with her, a little flirt and a dance, even though he shouldn't, he's working. Um, he tells her that she has something, but not enough. She's not a great dancer. So she knees him in the testicles, which starts her brawl, and she gets arrested. And who bails her out? James. James, of course. <laughs> and uh, Because that's t- <laughs> what you would do after someone kicks you in the testicles. Yeah, and then he tells her, you're not just a pain in my dick, you're not just a pain in my head, you're a pain in my ass. He's saying this to her after he just bailed her out of his own free will. He decided to, you know, he decided to get her out. And then she tells him life sucks, shit happens about his job that he just lost. And he wants to know where did she get these, uh, these inspiring quotes. He's like, did you get this stuff off a t-shirt? It's like, if you've never heard anyone say life sucks or shit happens before this day, then I really don't know where you've been hiding. But that's enough of James. We are then introduced to uh, the James Bond villain, Mr. Uh, Robert... Oh, what's, he, what's his character's name in this film? Uh, Al. Al. Yeah. Oh, it is Al, yeah. yeah. Just Al and Henrietta, who sort of <laughs> run the Cheetah Club. So yeah. it's Henrietta's a plus-size comedian who does a lot of stand-up. Um, a, lo- a lot of self-derogatory jokes about her weight yeah she I, i've wrote down she's very sexist to herself like there was a joke about um about women um I can't oh remember. yeah i've got it written down yeah uh oh where have i put that oh, i was i was thinking about what's what do you call the useless piece of skin around a uh around a twat yes that's it yeah a and woman a woman it's like what like and th- this this is part of the reason why I, I i do think that this film hates women is that why why would you include a joke like said by a woman yeah but she doesn't just read herself she reads the entire room she just well one guy in particular down the front she really picks on him but um, between her doing her weird stand-up routine, we get introduced to Penny. And uh, where Robert Darby tells her that uh, <laughs> she can't be called Penny. She has to be called Hope because no one wants to fuck a Penny. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do people want to fuck a Hope? Uh, apparently, to, uh, <laughs> apparently to Al, yeah. I'm not quite sure I agree with uh, with Al's rules with his workplace. I think uh, it's a little questionable. 
I d- I d- I'm actually... pretty sure everyone he employs has to give him a blowjob. Well, he implies that, doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, Hope slash Penny asks if he's been honest. But then I, I don't think Nomi would have done that. <laughs> really? Well, she's, for the whole film, she's like, oh no, I would never, never shag to get this or shag to get that. She also says she wouldn't gamble. That's true. <laughs> that is true. We're then introduced to Agent Cooper himself, Kyle, uh, Kyle MacLachlan. And his hair in this film is atrocious. I do hate his hair in this Ugh. film. Yes. Kyle MacLachlan plays Zach. And... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, there's, there was rumours going around that he couldn't stay throughout the whole premiere of watching this, but he has said he sat through the whole painful two hours. He knows how bad this film is. But it, I, I, I think, you know, it's a bit hypocritical of him because this isn't a good performance. I would, I would never say that Karma Clockland is the best part of this film. No. I, I wouldn't. It's not a good... He looks bored throughout a lot of the film. Um... I, it's, I don't think... And, and I love Karl McLaughlin as much as you do, but this isn't a good performance. Who's your uh, favourite performance from this film? Uh, do you know what? I think Gina Gershon does a really good job. I know she was nominated for a Razzie herself, um, but I, I liked her. I thought she was funny when she had to be. I think she was, you know... Hammed it up a little bit, and I, I, I liked her performance. Sorry, but no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I actually quite. I mean, you know. You you compare her to Elizabeth Berkeley's <laughs> performance, who you know balls to the wall, chewing the scenery, you know, shouting, a lot. Um, I I thought in comparison, she she did a good job. I think mean, she committed to the role. Which is more than Carl McLaughlin did. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention chewing the scenery. Because in the next scene... Uh, well, we find out that Zach is um, going, he's in a relationship with uh, Crystal. And Crystal, you know, now fascinated with Naomi, takes, uh, takes Zach to watch her perform at the Cheetah Club. And she uh, comes out doing one of her amazing dance routines. Starts licking her pole... Um, and uh, just being all over the place, you know, typical Nomi fashion by this point. And, uh, yeah, so Crystal decides, you know, what, what, how much better can this get? I'm going to uh, buy her for him. Exa- her exact words. She says she's going to buy Nomi for, uh, for Zach. Uh, I think it's looking at sort of women as a commodity. And I think this film... I think this film, I don't know if it's trying to comment on that, if it's trying to be satirical. A lot of people defend this film and say that it's a satire and it's a satire on commercialism, you know, consumerism, excuse me. It's a satire on, you know, Las Vegas or show business. And when she says that she would buy Nomi, it's as if Nomi is a commodity. You know, when somebody is a stripper or indeed, you know, a prostitute, they are selling their body. That is what they're selling. They're getting money for that. Um, so at what point does 
the actual woman become a, a commodity. Maybe I'm looking far too much into No, I this. think that's a, that's a good an- analysis. I, I mean, think, I th- maybe I am, but I, I did see that as, you know... Well, it's interesting to look at it nowadays, since we've had, like, the Me Too movement and things like that. I yeah. mean, you, you get to look at this film in a very different light. Because it's not so controversial anymore. It's not so shocking. You know, that it's not... It was only shocking, really, because of the amount of nudity in it. Well, we look at nudity in a slightly different way now, you know. Um, we can see it all on the internet. We've been there, done that, seen it all. Nothing shocks us anymore. So when you watch a film like this, you you, you do look past that now. I I think. No, I, I agree. It, it, you know, it never did shock me, and it, it doesn't shock me. I, I don't see why it was so controversial at the time. There's not even that much sex in the film. Well, I mean, they could would you could, would you consider the next scene as a sex scene? Well, I wouldn't. No. So, Crystal buys Nomi for Zach, so she pays five hundred. Was it five hundred dollars? Five hundred. Five hundred dollars yeah. for a lap dance. What a waste of money! A little private dance in the side room. And we get that scene, and Carl McLaughlin sat there and... Looking awkward as It looks fuck. very awkward. Which um, is hard to tell with all that hair in his <laughs> face. Uh, Crystal Connors wants to watch. She sits there and watches, and Nomi gives the full lap dance experience, you know, takes it all off, and we that's our first sort of full frontal uh, of, of the film. Shows off a sneak preview of some of her dolphin moves. Yeah, very aggressive lap dance. <laughs> very aggressive. She acts... I can't figure out if she hates it or is loving it. At the end, she seems to have really enjoyed herself. She's smiling as she walks away. Um, but during, she just seems really angry. And she's really, like... Going hard on him. Yeah, it was some of the most aggressive dry humping I've ever seen. And uh, James is watching from a distance. And it's not long before we see him again. He pops up in the next scene and he tells her that she has more talent than anyone he has ever seen. (laughs) He's not seen many people, clearly. (laughs) I don't know. She she pretty much made Karma Clockland jizz in his pants, so... Yeah, I mean... We've... She must have done something right. Yeah, it's hard to tell with Karl McLaughlin. I mean, you know, that's what's in the script, but his face has a complete different story. Oh, yeah. So, uh, this conversation uh, elaborates quite a fair bit. And we get one of the more strange uh, lines of dialogue in the film. Out of nowhere, in the middle of this conversation, James just bursts out with, uh, man, everyone got AIDS and shit. And it's like, where the fuck did that come from? <coughs> Excuse me. This is going sort of back to what I touched on, is looking at women's bodies as a commodity. So he can't differentiate between being a stripper and being a prostitute. And this makes him an unlikable... For me, makes him an unlikable character because he can't differentiate between the two. Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of his lines are kind of like the points that they're trying to get 
across, but just said randomly and just not making any sense. I mean, that whole scene, you know, where he brings up about AIDS and about her having talent, more talent than anyone's ever seen, it didn't need to exist. The film could have moved on without that scene and it wouldn't have made a slight bit of difference, which made that line really weird and it just didn't need to be in there. He... He's very much like Nomi at a lot of points where he uh, contradicts himself on his viewpoint of what she's doing. Um, it was later on in the film, just just touching on this now, uh, where he says that working at the Cheetah Club, at least it was honest. At least she was being honest. But then here, he's saying that she might as well be a prostitute and people have all got AIDS. So, which one is it? Yeah. And we'll touch on that later as well, because it does come later in the film. Oh, yeah, we get plenty more James. He's a character that contradicts himself a lot, uh, as well as Nomi. She she does too. Yeah. Uh, next up, we get more pointless scenes of her buying a dress, her celebrating buying a dress. Fucking great. And then, I've got to get my notes, Nomi is so mad at everyone. Again, she uh, she gets approached by uh, what is essentially a talent scout um, at the cheer club, and she just screams in his face. <laughs> and uh, apparently he watched her dance, and he thought, yes. Probably the only person. I mean, although everyone in this film seems to love her dancing. But um, this leads to her going to an audition, which was... One of the more interesting auditions uh, I've ever seen. I mean, the the guy hosting it, Tony Moss, he basically judges people on their uh, on their looks. Yeah, I mean, Does, I mean, he doesn't even give them a chance to dance. Like, yeah, it's it's a quite a, a brief dance scene uh, with all the girls there, and he he does base you know base it solely on his looks. One of the the, the famous parts is is telling the girl who got her nose done after the previous audition, that her ears are now too big and she needs to get them fixed. Yeah, I wrote down, it plays out more like a reading challenge from RuPaul's Drag Race. Would you agree? Yeah, he, go, he does go down the line and, and calls somebody a tennis ball <laughs> because she's got short hair. Am I correct? Yeah, he calls someone uh, fat. He, uh, but, uh, there's a lot of fat shaming in this film amongst everything else. Um, but his whole he he's unapologetically a prick, um, and he calls himself that. You know he says I'm a prick because he has to be. What he sells is good looking women. Again, touching on women as commodities. He he needs what he perceives to be the best looking women, who can dance, yeah. to perform in a show. Now. You know, that doesn't make him a likeable character. That, you know... It's... It's a, it's a weird... It's a very weird scene, to be fair, isn't it? I mean, of course, he's meant to be... Uh, he's obviously, you know, he's meant to be a villain. I think that's... And, but so is everybody else. So it, it, it leaves that... Everyone villain, yeah. apart from one person. It, it, you know, it leaves that question, who are you meant to like in this scene? You know, that not one person on screen is meant to be like, well, who are you... What What's the point in most of it, you know? He asks them to show their tits, to which they are incredibly surprised. 
<laughs> like, have you seen the show? You're gonna have to get them out at some point. Yeah, apparently Nomi's aren't hard enough. Uh, n- yeah, Nomi's aren't hard enough, so she needs to play with them a little bit and put some ice on there, which makes her storm off yet again. Another storming off scene. <laughs> and this this is what I don't get, and is she's a stripper. We've seen her work a pole, we've seen her lick a pole, we've seen her play with her boobs, we've seen her play with other parts of her body before this point, to a, to a quite a large audience. Why is she so horrified at this? <laughs> and this is where she contradicts herself, is why would she be so horrified? She's seen this show, you know, she's seen it. She knows she's going to have to do something very similar to a classier crowd than what she's used to. So why is it so horrifying that the thought of having to put you know, a couple of ice cubes on her nipples. Yeah. I mean, after this, we, uh, we get Crystal again. She, she comes out of nowhere and, uh, comes to have a chat with Nomi. Tells her how much she loves her dancing and, uh, Nomi tells her she hates her. Which is a pretty strong statement. I'm, she's not really done anything up to this point to warrant being hated. She's a condescending cow. She is, through the film, so, so far. That whole cheater comment. But, Otherwise, she's been nothing but polite. If it's it's a weird chemistry they have, and I think if they lost for um, the uh, when they won the Razzie for worst on screen couple, I think it might be Crystal and Nomi that go that yeah. win for that one because there there is a weird um, back and forth between them that makes little sense. No, it's true. And I know exactly what you're thinking right now. We haven't had any James in a while. Wow, lucky for you. He's uh, back in this next scene. He's having another chat with Naomi. Say, uh, Naomi? Naomi. And having the same, huh? talking about the same shit as they always talk about. And then his boss isn't happy with him. standing. He's got a new job. He isn't happy with him standing around talking. So he tells his boss to get off his back, calls him an arsehole, gets fired... And then blames it on Nomi. Apparently it's her fault to why you got fired. But he was the one who called his boss an arsehole. But that's not it. We get an extended James sequence and he takes her back to his house. And on the way there, they're in an uh, open top car. And she they're eating a burger. And she throws her litter. And it, this is the <laughs> thing that really stuck out for me. It, just a, a moment that really stuck out for me. She has the wrapper for this burger and just throws it up in the air. Yeah. And I can't think of a time before, and if if you know of any, anyone, you know, feel free to, to let us know, but of a protagonist like that, and I, I feel like the film wants us to get behind Nomi, and I do. I feel like it does, but I can't think of a protagonist that so openly litters... <laughs> I know this is probably very 2019 of me, but I was like, oh, well, she's chucking her shit on the ground. What's that about? Are you fucking kidding me? Do you not feel the same way? <laughs> I didn't even notice that scene. I was horrified. <laughs> I can't believe you picked up on I that. Abs- I was like, okay, is this a How much attention were you paying to this film? A lot of attention. I did enjoy it. 
enjoy, I do, I do enjoy this film. For for all its faults, it's an entertaining film. I can guarantee we are the first ever podcast to bring up <laughs> this character literate in this film. But I, am I not making a valid point? You're making a valid point, but I'm just saying point. that's probably something no one's ever thought for, of. You know, we are meant to be behind her, <laughs> behind her story. She lost me a bit when she threw a rubbish on the ground. That's what lost you. That what lost me. <laughs> yeah. She also froze up openly. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So we get some dancing between her and James and the worst fucking song in the whole film. Did you write down about the song? Uh, I didn't know. You didn't notice this song, but you noticed the lyrics. No, I, I noticed the song and I noticed it was bad. It, the lyrics were terrible. It was about like pulling it up and it was just fucking horrendous. He, it was the idea that he wrote the song for her. Yeah, and it, you know what? if he wrote that song, it would not surprise me. And I've got here the dialogue in this film. Like I only just noticed at that point the dialogue was terrible. So, <laughs> she gets the Tony Moss job after, you know, she stormed out, she Did was you rude. Know, at the end of that, no, go back to that dance sequence at the end of that. Or do we have to? Well, yeah, because he's, James is thinking they're going to get it on. And she puts a stop to it. Yeah. So, they start doing this choreographed dance, which mm. turns into Yeah, I suppose this is quite important. Giving him a lap dance. Yeah. Essentially. So she didn't actually learn the dance that he's choreographed for her. And they they you know, getting a bit saucy and he's thinking it's gonna go further and she tells him that it's not because she's on her period. And she makes he him check. doesn't believe it. So she makes him check. So he puts his hand down sorry, I can't I thought I, I, I this really is the most X-rated really podcast episode anyone's ever listened to. <laughs> why this scene was there. And he puts his hand down her, her trousers and finds out for himself that she is. And I don't get the purpose of that. Why is that in the film? If she wasn't feeling having sex with him... Why couldn't it have just said that? Yeah, consent's a weird film in this film. A weird film in this film? Weird thing in this film. Don't but, you think? But for me, it's twice that she's used being on her period as an excuse for something. Yeah. So the first one is that she couldn't... She, she missed a night's work at the Cheetah Club because she was on her period. And then this one, she's had to put a stop to having sex with James because she's on her period. I don't know... What that's and you can there are parts of this film that you can tell it's been written by a guy because stuff like that just it to me it was just really weird. Am I looking into no, 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 it it was a very weird scene. That sort of dialogue, particularly in this scene where she gets him to check, yeah, it felt really awkward and a bit. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter much to James because he soon uh, <laughs> he soon gets what he wants, but not from Naomi. So after she finds out she got the job, uh, she uh, with with uh, Tony Moss, she goes to pay him a visit and finds out he's sleeping with Penny. And uh, Naomi is pissed off about this. She is, and it's another time that she contradicts herself. <laughs> Um, running theme through this podcast and through this uh, film is she won't sleep with him. You know, she's been nothing but hot and cold 
through you know i don't know what sort of time period this this film's gone through um but constantly hot and cold you know actually been violent <laughs> towards him and but she's shocked that this he's gone with penny yeah which and I don't understand again it's something that didn't need to happen it, it seemed pointless to me they could have just like left his character out for the rest of the film and no one would have gave a shit but uh, we then, she gets a job, she um, gets told her requirements for the job, and she has to eat brown rice and vegetables. Yeah, it's a very, very famous part of the, the film, is the idea that she should only eat brown rice and vegetables, and it's brought up a, a few times. Yeah, she is shortly after this, she doesn't know her date of birth. Um She's asked the date of birth, like, uh, 7 3rd, 73. Yeah. She is really unsure about it. Um, and uh, glossing over a bit, oh, holy shit, we're at, like, nearly 50 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> Not even halfway through the film. Oh, no. So, fast forwarding a little bit, we get a, a thrusting dance scene with some of the most sweat I've ever seen in any sequence in a film. Uh, we get a monkey scene. Uh, where monkeys that took a shit on the stage, they invade... a little invade, bit of comic uh, relief with the chimpanzees. Yeah, apparently that was the uh, only scene that the actresses in the film felt uncomfortable with. You know, they... Got... Because the chimpanzees are constantly <laughs> yeah. staring at their boobs, wasn't and it? Then that was a problem. Not like everybody else in the film that was staring at their boobs and like the director telling them to get naked all the time. No, that's not a problem. Uh, the, the monkeys staring at the boobs was a, was a problem. Apparently. So, Nomi does a pyro show from the start of the film. Honestly, I think she made it so much worse. She uh, falls over during her first performance. Well, she, I, th- I think it's made to seem like she slips on the shit on the stage. Oh, was that what that was? Yeah, because um, Molly's sort of at the side of the stage and goes, Shit! I, I assumed that she slips on the shit. I might like that no. scene a little bit more now. <laughs> I hope that was the case. But, you know, a bit of comic relief, and then, not long after that, James is back again, and this time he admits he has a problem with pussy. Is exact words. That's exactly his words, and he says it. It's not like he's seen any money from that number that, that he wrote for Nomi. <laughs> so he might as well touch a little pussy. <laughs> So there we are. So that tells us all we really oh, need to know about guy. this character. He's such a piece of shit. He's a real creep. Yeah. Calls Carl McLaughlin a pimp. <laughs> so again, it's his thinking that being a stripper or s- selling, you know, your body yeah. um, a- as a stripper is the same as being a prostitute. Yeah. Oh, this guy's just full of shit. He is. Yeah, I'm not a fan. And then we get a famous lunch scene in which uh, Crystal and Nomi talk about um, some food they used to enjoy. Don't know, Chris. So it's, again, this weird chemistry between the two characters where... They're hot and cold with each other. Is she being smarmy with her? Does she hate her? Does she like her? Who the hell knows? So, they were going to 
practice and they end up going out for lunch and they both um, bond over their love of doggy chow and how they love to eat dog food. Yeah. Um, I honestly... I haven't really got anything to say about I, this one. I would love to know what the writer was thinking when he wrote this scene. I don't. I don't know what it means. Yeah, I mean, it, there's not really much more that can be said about it. It hasn't already been said. Eat dog it's, food. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the conversation is, ironically, dog shit. Um, it's just pointless. Well, Crystal Connors explains that she used to have, uh, little bit of teas, you know. Yeah. Before a little bit of makeup and a surgeon can do wonders for her. But then where has this taken the plot? This uh, this just doesn't need to be in there. Uh, Much like the next scene of them two dancing. It's just, again, okay, great. Another dance sequence. I get it. It's a film called Showgirls. It's about showgirls in Vegas. It involves a lot of dancing. But fuck me. This just doesn't need to exist. There's a, a dance sequence. It ends with them nearly kissing and Naomi calling Crystal a bitch. What's new? She's mad at someone else again and walks off. She says to Crystal Connors that maybe Crystal's a whore, but she's not. And I just... It's this hot and cold, uh, you know, contradictions all the friggin' time in this film. Yeah. And then next we get one of my favourite scenes in the film, where for some reason there's children... Uh, in a dressing room and there's a a, a a character called Annie and she's my favourite character in the whole film these kids are just in there there's I, I think you get to see the monkeys again and basically uh, Annie's, Annie swears and uh, there's kids like she said the F word she said the F word she said the F word and then Annie just turns around like shut the fuck up and then this kid just cries her eyes out it's fucking great well it's this side plot with so the kids, the two kids, their mum is a dancer. And so she's... The idea is that she's had to bring her kids to work because she can't get anyone to look after them, you know. Um, and it sort of evolves into this very minute side plot of... Was the name Annie, you said? Yeah. And, and this mother, I, I can't remember her name, uh, having a, a bit of a feud, uh, which culminates in... A stage assassination attempt <laughs> with marbles. Oh, yeah, so poor Annie gets uh, the rough deal. Uh, this other character throws these marbles out on stage. She uh, breaks her leg. And that's... That, nothing comes of it. But that's... Well, it, it's, it's to help with the plot later on. Uh, maybe. So this subplot... Giving us a great moment with the marbles. I really enjoyed that moment with the marbles. <laughs> a lot of overacting. Amazing. So camp. Just fantastic. I loved it. That was one of my favourite moments, is that marbles moment. And then we get a visit from Henrietta, who uh, comes to see Nomi after this. Before that, it's the boat show. Oh, and this is when we find out that Zach is actually a bad guy. Yes. So... Um, Nomi and another dancer are invited to do a little dance at a boat show uh, for $1,000. So $1,000 is a lot of money for a little dance at a boat show. Um, 
Molly tells Nomi not to do it because other girls didn't enjoy it. Very vague. Um, I don't understand why she would be so vague because clearly she knows what goes on. So she goes to this boat show, does a little dance and introduced to an um, businessman from Hong Kong. Yes. Yes. And uh, this film does show all Asian businessmen are a bit pervy because there were some at yeah. the, the cheetah club that were a bit pervy. This guy's quite pervy. So I think that that's a, a weird sort of stereotype, a bit offensive there, yes. I felt. Um, but she, the idea is that they would go back to a hotel room and the £1,000 is for sex rather than just a little dance at the boat show. Yeah, so Nomi isn't the biggest fan of this. Um, she goes back and tells Zach about it. And uh, he makes that he's really mad at this, uh, at the, is it Paul or was it Phil was his name? The uh, He looked like a Phil. Uh, but yeah, the guy who took her to the boat show, basically, he's really mad at him. Um, puts on this show, uh, tends to use a mobile phone in the worst way possible. <clears throat> and uh, as soon as Nomi disappears, he calls him back and it turns out it was all an act and he's actually a bad guy. Surprise. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so another. I mean, another I mean he villain. was never really that likable to begin with. No, but then it's just, you know, just puts him into that same category as everybody else. He's another villain. Nothing redeemable about him. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't need. In fairness, though, Karma Clockland's um, acting doesn't really change when we find out that he's a bad guy. No, no, it's still the same wooden it's performance. Still, it's still the, the same film. wooden performance. Um, I mean, quickly glossing over, because again, I think we're nearly on an hour now already, and we're already an hour into this film. Um, quickly glossing over the scene I mentioned with Henrietta, she tells Nomi that she looks better than a 10-inch dick. What a lovely compliment. Do you think I look better than a 10-inch dick? Um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck you. Anyway. What a weird thing to ask. It caught me off guard. Well, I mean, that... This, this film's weird, so I thought I'd just add to the atmosphere of it. Yeah, but... Uh, moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> we get the famous, famous sex scene next. Would you like to uh, go into detail about that? Well, it's... I think this this is a, meant to be the change in Nomi's character. And, and the one that we were meant to see from the very beginning. If any of the advertising or synopses are, are, are to be believed... So this is the moment where Nomi's like, do you know what? I am going to get ahead and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get ahead. So she invites herself back to Zach's uh, swanky house and decides to strip off and jump into the pool. You know, you know what's on her mind. And it's, it's what I really... <sighs> really don't get about this whole film and there's a lot that I don't get when looking at it critically um is she wasn't gonna shag the other dude at the boat show for a thousand dollars but she's gonna uh, shag Zach in order to get higher up the rankings at the hotel yeah and that's 
So, so which one is it? You know, would she not? Would she not do it to get, you know, ahead? Did she think that the whole boat show thing was beneath her? Rather than being morally outraged, did she just think it was beneath her? That's not really played out. Well, either way, it leads to the most awkward sex scene of all time. They uh, they go into this swimming pool and uh, you get to see a bit of uh, Agent Cooper's body doubles ass. Uh, oh a bit too much of it. And, uh, yeah, he's furiously going for it with her and she's just... Uh, Acting like a dolphin. She's flapping about and it looks painful. It, it looks, looks like she's never had sex before in her life. It, well, it, it's... I, I can't believe that it's actually sex because her sort of legs are too high up on his body. It looks like she's trying to kidnap... He's trying to kidnap her. Yeah. And she's, it like, lo- resisting. She must have had a bad neck after filming that scene. It's, it's another aggressive um, physical you know, sex or dance scene. Sex, sexuality being mistaken for aggressiveness. <laughs> I mean, it did something right because it got her the lead role. But then, it, it's weird, it, it gets her the lead role. We get another filler scene with fucking James, who's got his own, uh, his own dance show now with Penny, uh, where <laughs> they're getting booed off the stage. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he's... Treating Penny really well. He tells her she's dancing like a truck. Um, tells her to get him a beer, bitch, exact words. Um, and apparently they're engaged and Penny's now pregnant, apparently. But again, didn't need to happen. That's the last we see of James, thank God. And then it moves on to Naomi, Di- Naomi didn't get the role uh, because she receives a letter. The role of the understudy. Yeah. So she she was going for the understudy. Which, uh, wasn't that the role she got after she slept with Zach? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so then, that was Crystal's understudy. That that filler scene with James was literally just there to break these two scenes up. She finds that she didn't get it. So, I mean, what do you do when you don't get a role? You, uh... <laughs> aggressively storm out the room. <laughs> and Into another room, aggressively. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about a little further on than that. When she pushes Crystal down the oh, stairs, there we go. Oh, okay. in front so of everybody, now. in front of everybody, someone no must one have seen it. that. <laughs> it was very obviously a push, a real push to the back. Somebody must have seen that, but no, know. no one's seen it. And then I prefer marbles on the yeah, stage. the marble scene was better, but <laughs> yeah, and then you know they need to replace Crystal so who are they going to choose some of the options were um, Paul Abdul Janet Jackson but apparently they didn't want to pay for them so no meal do I think it's insulting to <laughs> Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson that their names were mentioned you know this <laughs> is a top about show it? and th- there's the staging of the, the volcano staging, but there's also the biker staging, which was very sexual. Oh, God, yeah. Very, you know, extremely sexual. I think it was a bit insulting from the screenwriter to choose poor Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul to replace Crystal Connors. Yeah. And also, what's Crystal Connors famous for? What I don't, I don't get. They're acting as if she's an A-list. And if she, you know, Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul at the time were A-list stars, <laughs> you know, and then she's famous for dancing in Vegas. So, but I don't. But who was Crystal Connors? 
famous for dancing in it Vegas. It doesn't really explain no. why Crystal Connors is so famous to, uh, to be the star of that show. Yeah. Swiftly moving on, Nomi does a dance scene and uh, somehow she was successful in terms of this massive celebrity. I'm not sure how. But uh, it leads to a uh, party where they're celebrating it. And uh, we get a character that's briefly touched on before this. Uh, we find out Molly is uh, a big fan of this, Andrew Carver. But, I mean, Andrew Carver, just to, you know, make you aware, he looks like uh, Jason Momoa, but let himself go a bit. He he looks like shit. He's, he's really not attractive at all. But uh, Molly's mad on him. And um, she's introduced to him at this party scene. And what really pissed me off about this was... As if the film wasn't bad enough anyway, and you know, you've got all these unlikable characters. The one likable character is then subject to a really brutal rape scene. It was a very, very jarring scene in the film. Um, for all the, you know, um, for all the other scenes being quite camp, they, they are camp. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's just. People be bitches to each other for the majority of the film. Yeah, and it's so bad it's good, you know, but then yeah. this scene just kind of leaves. This scene really took it to a unnecessary dark place. It wasn't, I, for, for me, there was absolutely no need for it to be in the film. No. Could you not have just had Molly as a nice character who, you know, maybe gets a happy ending? Yeah. Because it's such a negative I'm, I'm sure film. many people got a happy ending in this film, but... Uh, Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Not Molly. <laughs> Not Molly. You just ruined the point I was making, man. Well, she's put in hospital. Um, again, just adds more darkness to the film. And then Zach gives us a bit of exposition about, uh, about Nomi. And makes her even more unlikable because apparently she was a criminal prior to this and a hooker. Well, she was, yeah. Well, that doesn't make her unlikable. For the me, fact she was a criminal. Yeah, for I me mean, personally, no, the hooker side doesn't. But the fact that she was a criminal makes her no soliciting is it was. Is, the crime. I, was I thought she had actually because he Drug says possession. Well, he says that she um, was. Does this mean that uh, Crystal was the first person you pushed down the stairs? So I assume that maybe she had done something a little worse. Oh, I don't think... I would don't know. I thought that was implied. She may have robbed someone, to be fair. It, it would make sense with the next scene, because, I mean, obviously, you have the exposition, great. For me, the film could have ended there. Nomi could have, you know, ran away. That's it. But instead, she turns into a vigilante. This should have been Showgirls 3 to Revenge. This whole sequence could have made it to a whole film. Uh, she goes to see Jason Momoa let himself go, and... Um, then, you know, they have a nice little conversation where he tells her that he likes her better topless. And she says, wait till you see me bottomless. Okay. And then we realise that she's a better fighter than she is a dancer. She she kicks the shit out of him. She does. And very dancely as well. There's a few it, it's a satisfying scene. Kicks and turns in there. And it is a satisfying scene. He deserves everything he gets, you know. I don't, I don't know if this redeems Nomi as a character, though. I, I don't think... No. Oh, definitely I think, not. I think maybe the no. idea is that this redeems her as a character. She is, you know, she's very conniving, but she's still got a heart because she gets revenge for her friend. Yeah. Which makes that previous scene with Molly even 
darker. Yeah. Because it feels like it was only put in the film so that Nomi could have a redeeming scene. Yeah. And that's not the sort of thing you want to do with a rape scene. It's, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's not nice. And um, after this... I, is it just me? Or does Zach just disappear after that? Yeah, that's the last we see of him. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and make sense of that. So she goes and pays a visit to Crystal. Turns out that they're a thing now, apparently. They, she... They have a kiss. Well, the whole idea is that Crystal Crystal Connors, and it, it was touched on by Zach, when he suggested that Crystal wasn't jealous of Nomi after she slept with Zach, but she was actually jealous of Zach because he beat her to the punch. Yeah. So there's this... And this is what makes... <laughs> and I'm coming back to it. The relationship between Nomi and Crystal so strange throughout the film because you get the idea that they're trying to do some sexual tension yeah but it just ain't working well no because Nomi just ends up with Nomi screaming she's a bitch and then running away yeah but um very strange sexual tension yeah I mean obviously at this point as well Crystal must know that Nomi pushed her down the stairs she mustn't she must have felt her she did know she told her But then what is she kissing her for? You'd be like, okay, hang on a minute. You push me down the stairs. Get the fuck away from me. Because Crystal Connors, she she knew that it was coming. She she knew that because not too long ago when she was starting her career, she was the one pushing someone down the stairs. There's a weird way of looking at your career. But that's the end of that story. Uh, we get a last sequence. Of Nomi hitchhiking. Magnificently gets the... Uh, well done to her. Gets the same person who picked her up at the start of the film. Completely coincident, coincidental. Um, she gets Josh Holm again. And he doesn't recognise her. Because she's wearing a hat and sunglasses. Oh, good disguise. Um, takes the sunglasses off, you realise who it was, and she gets that flick knife out again, and that's the end of the film. And that is the longest podcast episode we're ever going to record. <laughs> we're on 70 minutes. We're on 70 minutes. <laughs> yeah. There, now, there's a lot we glossed over. We did gloss over a lot, and I, I think maybe we should have a little um, conclusion. Yeah. So what? what's your thoughts on the film? I... Uh... As in whether I like it or not, or what it's... Just, yeah. I think, like I said, I think watching it now is very different to as, you know, if anyone watched it in the 90s. Considering everything that's happened since then, the world's a very different place now. If you release something like that now, I don't think it would sit as well um, as it does, or it would look like it's got a lot more commentary than I think the film actually had. I don't think there's as much thought put into it by Paul Verhoeven as as maybe you'd think. I think... I, there is obviously something in there, but it, it seems like a lot of the stuff was put in there to just be maybe offensive, especially towards women, and... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a lot of it just didn't make any sense. It, it was like he was just trying to put some sort of point across, but it's hard. To, for me, I don't know what that point was. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I know I've delved maybe a little too deeper into the film than I really should have um, because 
I don't think the intent was to delve that deep. And you can say it's a satire. You, you know, you can bring up issues about the place of women in film and in society. And, that, and you could make some very valid points yeah. using this film. But I don't think that was the intent. But I think this is where it's kind of an important film, I'd say, because I think it, it's a very it's important, a, an important film. film because I'm now more so than ever. Because now, if you look at it now, and the fact that you're able to you know analyze it that much, I think that says more about I, what's become of the yeah. media industry now compared to what it would have been back then. I don't think the film itself brings up any of these issues in a coherent or, you know, a successful way. I don't think that. I find this film extremely entertaining. I love watching it. Each scene, you know, the the, the scene with Andrew Carver aside, um, I think each scene is campy, it's bitchy, it's fun, it's brainless entertainment yeah, it's it's so bad it's good i it's... may have looked too much into no it. no no i and... think the film itself isn't doesn't deal with these issues in a successful way no even if they were trying to i think the film itself and its history so the film as a film if that makes sense says a lot about you know the film industry and says a lot about you know, um, sex, you know, in society back then. The fact that this film was so controversial when there's very little actual sex in the film, it's just a lot of nudity, says a lot. And, you know, I I reckon I could sit here and go on about this film for a very long time, like we already have, my apologies. But if, if anything that this film has sort of done is to maybe break that yeah. boundary. I think so. To a certain degree. This film was very, very successful on home video. It wasn't successful at the cinema. Highest gross in NC-17 film in America. That was, but NC-17 is a death curse True. anyway, isn't it? Um, so it lost money. It did lose money because it was a huge budget... MGM, big studio film, but it did really well on home video. And so I think it probably did really well on home video because you're not allowed to get your willy out in in a cinema, pretty much. I mean, our our friend Cameron told us a very different story about the our local cinema <laughs> but that's a story for a different day do you remember that story no yeah there's a guy who got his willy out in our local cinema oh had a piss in uh, the fire exit oh country okay. ladies and gentlemen I was going to say thanks thanks for <laughs> that one showgirls your rating my rating I give it five it's somewhere down the middle in terms of you know, pure entertainment, it's a 10 out of 10. I could watch it all the time, but I know it's a bad film. It's a bad film, and we've just spent a good amount of time telling yeah. you why well, it's I, a bad film. I give it five for a so bad it's good kind of way, but overall today I've changed it to a two for looking at it critically. It, it, it was painful. It felt twice its uh, two-hour runtime. I don't know. 
I don't know. I we'll rewatch I, it. I think it's, you know, we'll I think rewatch it's a it. Camp classic. But that that was Showgirls, and next week we're opening it up to suggestions. Um, somebody guessed. Oh they? yes. Um. So, uh, customers also watched on Instagram. Guessed Showgirls right first when we did our uh, little cryptic spoilers of our context post, which we will be doing again in the future. But for next week's suggestion. Uh, we are opening up to you guys. We've had some through already, and these films look fucking horrendous. But let us know what you want us to talk about next week, and we will do our best to find it, and uh, we'll announce it soon what we pick. So we're also on Apple Podcasts now, uh, on iTunes. So if you could rate, review, and subscribe to us, that would be amazing. It would help us out a great deal. Still on Podbean, still on uh, SoundCloud, if it's easier to listen to it that way. But yeah, so we'll be announcing soon what we're talking about next week. Uh, any other business? Oh, check us out on social media. Uh, Horror Court Trash Over on Instagram and Facebook. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Uh, my Instagram is Gazmo205. My Instagram is ChrisBarker823. And that's about everything. So we will see you again, same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening.